0: inspired infallible scripture said that everything else that he thought was valuable in his life including his religious education including his ability to speak was but rubbish right. Hallelujah. compared to knowing Jesus Christ my Lord and Father I thank you that at very least I can agree with that statement and know that nothing of myself I bring simply to the cross I cling in the name of Jesus And thank you, Father, that from the littlest child that says yes to Jesus and is saved to the oldest one of us who says yes to Jesus, you do the work from beginning to end. It's your power that saves. It's your power that transforms. It's your power that takes us on to completion. So we can come in confidence today knowing we're all vessels which were broken, which Jesus died and was broken for so that he could bring us healing. Healing first of all from our sins and healing second of all in our lives. And it's an outworking process of sanctification. I'm going through it. And anyone that says they're not is a liar. And anyone who claims to be without sin is a liar, it says in Scripture and I stand before you as a frail vessel who would say with Paul I'm the worst of the sinners as well but hallelujah Christ Jesus came into the world to die for sinners such as me and there's power in the blood of Jesus for my salvation for your salvation for anyone that hears this message and hallelujah do we want to see the power of God working in our midst do we want people in Moody's Burn and surrounding areas to find Jesus well let's get ourselves right and get to the heart of the matter Which is knowing you Jesus, knowing you there is no greater thing. Everything else, all self-effort, religious effort or other sinful things that entangle us need to go. And Father I'm praying that for myself, Father. I'm praying that for myself, I'm praying that for new beginnings and everyone associated here today and our families. Let us throw off the things that so easily entangle. And cling on to you Jesus. In Jesus name, Amen. Lord bless you. Now well, this has been an interesting uh, few weeks and uh, the Lord's really been ministering to me as I've been looking through these scriptures and you can tell even just in prayer there how the Lord's working I think. And there's, there's other, there's deeper levels of knowledge of Jesus that we need to strive for in our Christian life. But sometimes the things that hold us back are just those outward things. First of all our own, our own sin that so easily entangles us. And then other things in the world that just distract us from God's God's purposes and plan for our lives. Isn't it really easy? The troubles of this life. Our own sin, but also the troubles, the difficulty, the hardship. And Philippians has had a number of themes that we've been working through. I don't know what it's like for you, but please strain into this. Philippians as God's working through it with us. But for myself and Tommy working through... Um, it's just been powerful ministry to us individually we've seen themes of joy in the midst of suffering you see that represented throughout the book of uh, Philippians having joy Philippians chapter 1 verse 4 in all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel chapter 2 verse 2 then make my joy complete Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Chapter 3, which we're on today. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you. And he's repeating, joy in the Lord. Focus on the Lord. (coughs) And why is he saying it again? Because we so easily forget. Even between one part of a letter to the next part. How long does it take you to read this letter? Mm -hmm. And every every division, although we know chapters and verses weren't always there, but every change of direction through it, the same theme comes. Focus on the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And in chapter 4, which Tommy will be looking at next week, verse 1 Therefore my brothers, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown and joy for God and you also see the theme of joy and relationship with one another being a really really connected theme Jesus said love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself this is the greatest commandment back to the beginning of the law and it's interesting that we're going to talk today about how the religious system and the law and also things that are added to the law by man Jesus replaced with a better covenant when he came it's all these rules and regulations, some of which God set, some of which man, like the Pharisees, added additional rules and regulations onto the Old Testament rules and regulations that God had done. Man is good at making rules, aren't they? Men are good at making religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But God is about making us into right relationship with him. And the Old Testament rules and laws, if you read them, very, very difficult, in fact, impossib- actually impossible for any person to attain to. And really, there was always a need for a sacrifice, even with those laws, because we are all have a sinful nature and we are unable of our own strength to please God because we have a sinful character. But praise God, his solution to that is his sending his own son who willingly came to live a perfect life, to be, we've been singing, there's power in the blood. What does it mean? The Old Testament sacrificial system was imperfect, it had to be repeated. The sacrifice of animals being slain as representatives for sins for the nation, on behalf of the sins of the nation the people received cleansing but it was only temporary, it kept going on and on and on until Jesus came but you know God's plan is perfect and those things were a shadow of the things to come if you could use that terminology, a picture of how God always had in his mind the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God which is actually Jesus why was he perfect? He was God himself He lived a perfect life. He had no sin unlike us. He pleased God the Father perfectly in every way. He worked in perfect unity with him. And then he chose to go through suffering for us, not only suffering and rejection on this earth. He was a man of sorrows, Scripture tells us, and acquainted with grief. Now I find that really interesting as well because we go through suffering as Christians. And one of the things that's in these passages in Philippians is about sharing, somehow sharing in the sufferings of Christ and even we're going to read today um, somehow attaining to like the death of Christ. There is this aspect of becoming a Christian where things have to die. Do you know what the thing is that has to die? (coughs) Me. (laughs) You. It's us that has to die. It's our own sinful nature. We had some chaps across from the uh, the Haven, the Teen Challenge Mission, which is a wonderful work of God, started through David Wilkerson and the power of God and the Holy Spirit through others. It's there to be seen because well beyond his life, there are people being delivered all over the world through this Teen Challenge Addiction Recovery Ministry. And some of them came to our men's night and one of the guys was through the program and he's became a mentor to the, the guys that came into the program. And he says, I keep telling all the guys that come in, going to just hurry up and die Because until you die, you're not going forward with the Lord. And do you know what? I I get challenged by that as a Christian because we live somewhat cushy lives, I would suggest. Many of us, you know. We look at people like that and we say, you've had a broken situation. Well, I'm better than that. Well, no, we're not. We're all horrible sinners. Horrible, horrible sinners. And if we saw ourselves the way God saw our sins, we'd be ashamed. And you know one of the processes of life I think that helps you to have a lot of grace for other people Is to see the utter sinfulness of our own sin Hurry up and die Stop trying to live of your own effort And you know there are Christians And I would include myself in this category Many many times in my history as a Christian Who are living by self effort And self righteousness to please men and women In the church And who are not living a self sacrificial life And are not dying to self And dying to sin and we all should be evaluating ourselves. I think I've got no time to almost evaluate anyone else because I'm so bit too busy with the Lord examining me. And it was interesting on Monday, I don't mind sharing this with you. We came to study for a couple of hours and we ended up in tears and praying for two hours. Let the Lord, Word of God speak to you and examine yourself with it. It's all about you and Lord. It's not about the next person next to you. And so often we're so concerned, and I say this with love and grace, we're so concerned about someone else's behaviour. Or someone else's actions towards us or other things that we take our eyes right off the Lord. Mm -hmm. And what I see in Paul is he does deal with sin. He deals and he corrects the church where they're wrong like he does in Philippians 4 where there's two people not agreeing with one another. But his focus isn't on the people so much in a negative way. He's not focusing on their sin in a negative way to point out to them. He's looking for something greater which is unity in the Lord and blessing. And I think Paul had that self-examination was evident. You'll see it in chapter 3. But while I say self-examination, let's also rejoice. Because before you can realise that you can safely die to yourself, you need to know that you're safely living on the other side. It's an interesting concept, but God saves us and brings us new life. We are a new creation. He's brought new life. But in Romans 8, it tells us that a Christian can still experience death in their life if they follow the sinful nature and don't follow the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read Philippians chapter three. I'm allowing the Lord just to lead me today as well in terms of in terms of this. In my Bible, these added titles that weren't originally there. This one is helpful though. It says, No confidence in the flesh, no confidence in myself. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I I have often told you before, and now say even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Amen. I've mentioned already that Old Testament system and also the, the people who have added to these Old Testament system like the Pharisees who were present in this day and coming in with legalistic uh, Christianity. So there were those that were even being Christians and they were coming back and saying you need to also all you Gentile who were the non-Jewish folk um, that Paul was largely reaching and ministering to that God had sent to. The Jewish Christians were saying you need to do these extra things. Circumcision and a few other things there as well. And there was this situation where they had to realise that they were saved by grace. And that those things, as I was saying earlier on, I'm not going to get into a whole lesson on that today, that would take too long. But in essence, our faith is by grace from God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this early church was having difficulty just trying to get free of some of those additional aspects of the church. So that's the context in which Paul is writing. But I want to go past that (coughs) because Paul gets to the crux of his own self and this is where I'm talking about our own self-examination. He's thinking about his life before he knew Jesus, before he understood what salvation meant. And he, he weighs things up like on a set of scales. We don't really have these things, do we? Maybe you do in baking, Cathy you probably do through in the coffee house but a set of scales you know where you kind of balance things out was what I had pictured in my head and one is weighted at one side with a certain amount of things on it and another one's weighted so I was thinking of a picture of scales uh, as if measuring up and on one side you've got uh, what he had measured as once being very valuable in his life uh, of real massive importance to him he says first of all I was circumcised on the eighth day verse 5 which was a requirement of the law He says he was of the people of Israel, verse 5. That's a good thing, Of of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, same thing. Reiterating that, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Again, reiterating his lineage, which is again a good thing. In regard to the law of Pharisee, that's saying, you know, when it came to the letter of the religious law, even to the pharisaical side of it, which had a whole lot of extra laws in it, perfectly attained to all of that, that was quite something. As for zeal, persecuting the church, now this is where this religion actually took Paul, because he thought actually he was doing the right thing by persecuting people. And really, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you hear the teaching of Christ, bless those who persecute you, Jesus said, love your enemies, then you can't see the real God, in Paul's expression of persecuting, can you? He didn't know the Lord. He just knew religion. He knew a set of rules and regulations that he was trying to obey. But he had no idea who God actually was. So that's the context he's saying in verse 4. So I, I, myself, had such reasons for this confidence. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in himself, in the flesh, I have more. And he goes through these things. So that's what he... Had thought, you know, that's what my life is. But then he encounters Jesus on the Damascus Road. And Jesus said, so what did Jesus said to him? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's like, he's met God and God's telling him you're against me. Did you know that? You think you're following God, but you're not. What a shock that would have been. And I think, you know, that when he went into that blind state he had and someone was sent to go and take the scales off his eyes, what on earth would Paul, or Saul as he was called there before he was renamed Paul, what would he have been thinking? I was responsible for stoning of that man of God, Stephen, who was full of the Holy Spirit. And here's me now, realised that he's right, and I stood there and I authorised his death. He was a murderer of the people of God. Imagine the pain he would have felt of his own sin. It's bad enough when we sin against ourselves, but when we sin against others and commit murder to people whom God has called to preach, wow, bad, bad stuff, isn't it? So is it any wonder that Paul realised he was a sinner and realised that everything that went before him that he had thought was good was worthless? But what about in the gain side? He says, for whatever I thought was profit, I consider lost now. It's gone. I would suggest when he met Jesus, everything just dropped off him. All of his self. And I'm praying for that for myself. Because whatever happened in Paul's life was so deep and so, I would say, sudden as well. A deep work of God. A very special work of God. But he was just a man like you and I. But it just shows you what can happen. Isn't it? It gives you an encouragement. Paul wasn't perfect. He's not some kind of other Jesus. He's a man who sinned. And who made mistakes. Not a perfect man. Important to understand that. And it's very important. It's actually great that we have the example of we know he was a sinner. He's in the Bible authorising the death of Stephen. It's not hidden from us. So he died on the Damascus Road. And he became spiritual alive by coming to know the true Jesus. And knowing where he to be saved. So everything else just disappeared. It's wonderful. Just left it all behind. So what was on the gain side? Well it's more, he he basically, the the gain is actually more about what he's thrown off. (laughs) I was talking earlier on about hindering, actually for us to experience some of the gain. As a Christian, I believe you receive everything on day one of a Christian. Right? I believe that. It's by grace you're saved, through faith, not by works. Lest anyone should boast Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God works through faith, not through through work through our works he works it not us so you, the, the, the thing about being a Christian is you receive it like Paul did by grace because he had not lived a life worthy but when he encountered Jesus he said yes to Jesus I trust in you and I believe in you and not that lovely he said yes to Jesus and this murderer was saved this persecutor of the church was washed clean of all of his sins, isn't that marvellous honestly you could jump up and down around this church right now if you want, do we really do we really, so, sometimes though do we really appreciate how forgiven we are you know sometimes it's not as obvious to us we don't think we're as bad as someone like Saul was, murdering people but every lie we've committed every hurt against another person every lack of love, every other sin that's so called smaller, it's not small to God it's major to God and we can murder somebody through our hatred. Jesus compared it to such. If we hate somebody in our heart, it's as bad as murdering them. You know. So these emotional things that we sometimes downplay are equally as sinful. So again, I'm just sort of talking actually more about myself, which is why the Lord's even breaking me go through in this passage here. Because what the Lord is doing to me, as I'm sure he would do to you, is asking you to examine your own self. What do you need to die from? What do you need to let go of? Paul had had this experience and I would suggest that his gain, his experience of the gain happened after he dealt with shoving the rest of the thing out. He received it on salvation, he received the gain but he experienced it deeper because he threw everything else off that was rubbish. So he says, everything's a loss compared to the surpassing grace of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. Just thrown them off. I've considered them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 8. Again, just putting everything that's not of Christ, everything that's sinful, off. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but a righteousness from God through faith in Christ Jesus. Again, not earning things. The things he's receiving are not legalistic works. The things he's throwing off are legalistic works and he's receiving grace, mercy, love, empowerment to live a new life. And what's the focus? You know, sometimes we become a Christian and it all becomes about trying to impress other Christians, if we're honest. What do people think of me on a Sunday? How good are my sermons? How good is the worship team? You know, how good is our prayer meetings? And sometimes it's the outward expression folks are focusing on rather than the heart. We're here to worship God. We're here because we want to know Jesus. Not because of the outward things. The outward things are just an outward thing. If I say praise to God and we have music and we have uh, other things happening, it's just an outward expression of what's in the heart. But we could have none of these things. Let's strip away all the music and have no music at all and let's just sit around in a circle and if jesus is amongst us then it's worth it if you're on your own and there's no service knowing him is better than anything in the world that challenges me today i want to know him and the power of his resurrection we talked there about death but there's power of a new life a resurrected life through jesus resurrection And it's deep in this passage and I don't pretend to understand the depths of it. And even Paul, I would suggest, is talking about actually wanting to know more about these things in his own life and experience it more. He says also the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And again, that's a different way for us, as we thought about earlier in this study, to look upon suffering. I believe we should be praying to God for deliverance from situations that we're in that are causing pain and suffering. We should pray for healing in lots of different ways and we believe in a God who does that. But sometimes God would choose to leave us in a situation where there's suffering and pain. And he didn't promise that that wouldn't be the case. And Paul is the perfect example in Philippians where we see that in Acts 16 he'd been released from a prison situation by a miracle of God. Chains falling off prison doors flying open but then in Philippians 1 he has been in prison and he remains in prison and God has chosen not to take him out and he says it's for the furtherance of the gospel that my suffering has happened here so again let's get a balanced Christianity and not believe that everything that hits us as a problem is from the devil because actually it could be a test it could be something that God is using in Paul's life he was taken in chains but he was able to preach to the jailers And preached to those who were in control in the high regions of Rome. Who needed to know about Jesus. He had a mission there. And he also was to encourage the brothers. And what encourage them in what? Philippians, you're going through trials and pain. Persecution. But the Lord's with you. Like he's with me. And let's pray for one another. And our relationship with God and each other is what drives us. So it's in those suffering situations. My advice to all of us would be. Paul's advice. I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ in any situation. I want to know him in any situation of my life every day. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. There's power for us as believers. Wonderfully encouraging. Ephesians 1 verse 18, Paul is also writing to the church in Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your heart, he's praying praying about Christians here, Christians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So that suggests there's a way that Christians can live that is not operating in a full understanding or operation of God's power. We might have received salvation, but we're not knowing the fullness of the victory. And that's what we're praying here for new beginnings and for our own lives, isn't it? That what we experience is God's power. That he deals with us, the way he dealt with Paul. That we might become usable vessels. And it's the same power that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Ephesians 3.16, Paul again is praying for the church. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And again, just find that wonderfully encouraging. I, I lived a lot of my life um, with quite a legalistic view of Christianity. Having a full understanding about forgiveness and, and receiving Jesus as my saviour from a young age. But then f- having a feeling as if I had to work at things. And that in order to earn God's love, I had to work and do things. And, and whenever I sinned and I fell, I, I really felt no assurance in my salvation, really. I, I had no confidence. And then I discovered the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And deliverance from some of those things. And I'm not perfect, but I know the power that's available, and I would suggest that we should all be seeking that. Paul is praying that for the church that you will, that God will strengthen you with power. Where, where from? Through His Spirit in you. And we're told we're told to pray um, for the Lord to fill us with the Holy Spirit. I think it's Luke 11. If we ask our Father to give us good gifts, and what's the good gift that it talks about? the Holy Spirit been filled so we lay down our own power and we choose to surrender ourselves to God's power I find that really honestly are you encouraged by that because not only does God's power deliver you from your sins which you could never deliver yourself from he also has power to help you live this new life amen I'm going to say it again <laughs> he doesn't all just have power to save you from your sins he gives you power to live a brand new life. And I'm really glad for that because I wouldn't be standing here if, he, if, he, if both those statements weren't true. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus through his sacrifice, not by works through faith. And then he outworks in me through his power. Marvellous things that are according to his character. Praise God. I'm just going to press on just quickly through the rest. So can we regard some of those things? Maybe the Lord would challenge you and me today. Some of the things we're just needing to throw off. Some of those things with a little bit of self examination. The Lord would just put his finger on and say, Do You know what? That thing, you need to let that thing go. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is pressing in now, letting go of this, but pressing into the main thing, which is knowing Christ. You know, we've never seen Jesus, but we love Him. Do you love Him? We love Him through the simplicity of faith when we trust in Him as Saviour. We don't have a picture in our head. Sometimes I just shut my head and just. Try to experience the love of God, though I've never seen him. And the Bible uh, tells us we're blessed. Blessed are those who haven't seen him, and yet I still believe. One day we will see him, but until that, you're kind of straining in your mind to go, what does he look like? What does he talk like? We see the words, but what would it be like to hear his voice? And it's that relational side that's driving Paul. And he's saying, I'm pressing on towards the goal. So I'm just going to move straight on to 12. He's saying, not that I've already obtained this. I would suggest that. He's saying, I know I have not attained perfection like Jesus this side of heaven. I know I've not attained that. I'm not everything Jesus was. Nor have I already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Hallelujah. So there's the encouragement I was talking about earlier. To know that you're saved is really important. If you don't know that today, you can know that today. Believe in Jesus and with the understanding you have. And he will forgive you through his grace. It's the best news the world's ever heard. It's the best news you'll ever hear in your life. It's the most important news. So first I would say just receive it if you haven't already. And if you have received it, let's try and press on. Believe that God saved us. And press on to progress. Towards what Jesus took hold of us for. I love the fact it says he took hold of us. You know, he never lets us go. There's the old hymn that says, Oh love that will not let me go. Love of God gets a hold of you. You're never getting let out of his hand. And that helps us through the trials, doesn't it? Paul says, you know, if I live or die, I know I'm going to be with Christ and that's the assurance we need to press on it's difficult to think about those things but even facing death rejoicing still, being with Christ is better I press on towards the goal verse 14, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus heavenward, that's where we're going heavenward, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see I will look upon his face what's the words? be by his grace And he'll take me by the hand Lead me through the promised land What a day, glorious day That will be What a day when my Jesus I will see I'll look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace And he'll take me by the hand and lead me to the promised land Hallelujah And you know the vision, this is the bit that probably Apart from the throwing off of things which is definitely going to lead to self-examination in all of our lives today. This is the thing that really challenges me as well, is that Paul was going so deep and had gone so deep that his, his near vision of Jesus was greater than, I think, mine right now. And that's what he's saying. I'm straining on to have Jesus in my face, that he's before me and he's number one. It's like almost like Everything else is at more of a distance. He's somehow got a heavenly perspective and a Jesus perspective that's close to his face. Although he's never seen it. Well, he's had had a vision of him. But I'm encouraged that we can go deeper. That we're reading here somebody that's went deep. And he he said, I still want to even go deeper. There's, There's more of a relationship with Jesus on this earth. There's more of a relationship. We can know him more now. Isn't that great? It's a journey of knowing Jesus more. All of us, verse 15, who are mature should take such a view of things. So there's a, again a thing about Christian maturity. And I talked about it a wee bit later on. I think that one of the aspects of maturity is self-examination. Where actually the Lord forgives us and saves us, but deals with us. And there's that step of maturity that he takes us towards through speaking through his word and through challenging our lifestyles. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Again, just that thing of, look what God has done for us, the perfect standard of Jesus. We're not there yet, but let us try, with his help and his power and grace, to live up to, to what's already been attained. Then he says, join with others in following my examples, brothers. <laughs> I agree. And take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Again, very challenging here from Paul, that he's saying, my life is an example of, of Jesus Christ. Could we say that today? Could I say that today? Really wholeheartedly? Again, it's a challenge to our own behaviour and our own living. That Paul was modelling Jesus so well amongst the people. Not perfect, but so well. That he could say, my lifestyle model, you should model because it's Jesus' life. That's challenging. That's That's challenging. And it says that in our church we should have examples we're able to look to. Men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ. Whom we could say, I'm going to follow that example of the way that they live. Because it's like Jesus. Jesus because of what God's done in our life. For I t- verse 18, For I, As I've told you before and now say, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So I would suggest to you this is this is believers who are getting mixed up with sinfulness, with confusion about God's word. And you know we've got churches that are very confused and we try our best at New Beginnings to go with the word of God and to go with a biblical New Testament understanding of what God is saying. But we should always examine things against God's word. If anyone's ever teaching us something that doesn't measure up, examine. Examine it for yourself. Check it. Everything anyone says from a platform or you hear on the internet, check it against God's word. And in this situation, he's saying, you know, some are living as enemies. They're not living it out, so therefore it's not real in their life. Something is wrong. Their, Their destiny is destruction. The God is their stomach. Their mind is on earthly things, so it's possible for us to be living. And again, you know, Philippians two. I'm not going to get into, I'm going to finish this shortly. It talks about us having the mind of Christ, yeah. being made to be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, do nothing out of selfish ambition. So that's speaking to a church, saying there's more. You need to be corrected on these things. We need to be more like Jesus, mind on heavenly uh, aspects, on the Lord, and on His ways, rather than on sinful and earthly ways. He says our citizenship is in heaven, we've spoken about that and it's wonderful to know we've got an assurance of being with the Lord forever in heaven in this wonderful place, with wonderful relationships with all those that have been saved as well. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's coming back and whether we die before he comes or whether he comes in our lifetime, Jesus is coming back to bring a new heaven and a new earth. None of us understand fully what that means, but it's going to be marvellous, isn't it? A place with no sin, no pain, no suffering, and a very real life that's going to go on and on forever with none of those things. So that's how, again, you know, we can measure the suffering of, Christ went through suffering because we live in a fallen world. We go through suffering because we live in a fallen world. And he helps us through it. And he ans- and He helps us. But we're going through to something better. We're ultimately going through to a new heaven, new earth. Perfect relationship with God. Perfect relationship with others. No sin and death, no tears good place to end (laughs) praise God Father God we thank you for your word to us today It's, it's so challenging and yet it's so encouraging at the same time Father and I do just pray that your words will remain and anything that just is confusing or not helpful remove it Father from our thinking right now in the name of Jesus We thank you for your word which really speaks so clearly to examine ourselves against your standards and what you have said to us already. But we thank you, Father, that Jesus is the wonderful standard and he is the wonderful, perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And though we know we are utterly sinful and helpless, that we can trust in Jesus and know we are secure having uh, forgiveness for our sins righteousness, right relationship with you God and the Holy Spirit to enable us to live a new life, wonderful wonderful good news and Father we do pray that you would help minister to us, myself individually all of us here in New Beginnings to be able to follow this pattern of Jesus the pattern driven by the power of your Holy Spirit to put to death anything that is not of you and to live in the newness of life that has been brought to us through our Lord Jesus Christ modeled to us by him and should be modeled in our life by your power and we do thank you that it is your power would you fill us with your Holy Spirit would you empower us would you forgive us our sins and help us to be vessels which you can use for the building up of your kingdom thank you for every person here Lord we love you I just want to say we love one another as a representative of the leadership of the church here We thank you for the work you're doing here in New Beginnings. Bring it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, we pray. And bring protection and healing and help to every person and family represented here in Jesus' name. Amen.